Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Nick Pollock. I am joined by Mr. Matt DeBear. Matt, how we doing? I am I am wonderful, Nick. It is is slowly, slowly creeping towards the weekend, which means we are one Saturday, almost one Saturday closer to college football being back. You know what else is wonderful, Matt? The Penn State football defense. Oh my God, is this group going to be good? Before we start talking about that, real quick, if you're not subscribed to the podcast already, please make sure you do so on your podcast platform of choice. Or if you're on watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe and then hit the alert bell so you can get notified when we post our latest videos. We are here today to talk about the Penn State 2023 defensive line. If you have missed any of our preview podcast to this point, you've missed some stuff about the offense. So make sure you go back and check out our previews for the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line position groups. Um, maybe not quite as you know dominant maybe that group won't be as dominant as the defense we expect to be but um the offense obviously still has a lot of things to be excited about so be sure to go back and listen to those we'll even give you a second to pause here hit pause now okay and we're back let's talk about the penn state defensive line because this is a group of freaks matt an absolute group of freaks real quick Let's look back at last year, see what this group did. And by say this group, the stats I'm going to present are not just limited to the defensive line because my napkin math did not check out and I didn't feel like doing it quick enough. But because defensive line is typically the ones involved with at least making sacks and tackles for loss happen, even if they aren't the ones actually delivering those hits in the end, I think it's fair to attribute that to them. Last year's group, by my math, had 42 and a half sacks, 103, 103 and a half tackles for loss last year along the defensive line, highlighted by Adisa Isaac, who had four sacks and 11 tackles for loss. Chop Robinson, don't look up his stats on ESPN because they have Demian Robinson and Chop Robinson listed as different people. Chop Robinson had five and a half sacks and 10 tackles for loss, um, and then denied Dennis Sutton last year as a true freshman, had three sacks. Uh, I believe he also had three and a half tackles for loss. DDS, yes, three and a half tackles for loss as well. Those three are the big names among this group, but there are a couple big names that Penn State will not have back in 2023, and those are PJ Mustafer and Nick Tarburn. Maybe not the two flashiest guys on the defense, but you know, PJ Mustafer has been an institution at Penn State for several years now. One of the leaders on the team for basically his entire time on campus uh, was a phenomenal defensive tackle. Maybe didn't quite get to the level last year that he was at pre-injury in 2021, but still an incredible football player off to the NFL now. And Nick Tarburton, uh, very much not the flashy guy, but was somebody who just consistently got the job done uh, last year in his final season on campus. Um, he ended up accounting for Tarburton, 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 two set, two sacks, five and a half tackles for loss. Um, but most importantly, was a really, really good edge defender in the run game. And that's something I think Penn State is going to miss between both of those guys as we head into 2023. Yes, <laughs> I wasn't ready for the segue. No, I, I think... Um, yeah, it's as you alluded to, especially at defensive end, where you listed off um, you know, kind of three three starters for two spots with the the big three names. Um, Tar Burton, like you said, not the flashiest guy. 
you know, wasn't, you know, putting up big numbers by any means, but he was so critical in defending the run from that defensive end position. Not something that those three guys ahead of him were necessarily set up to do last year. Um, I guess is a good good way to put it. Um, obviously, no, no, I think no, he were they really asked to. To be fair, no, I don't think so. But I think, um, and we'll talk about you know, the, the Michigan game is kind of the bugaboo for the the offense, the defensive line as a whole. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through. But I think you saw that that's the most obvious example of the limitations that those big three names had defending the run last year was in that game. And obviously, Tarburton played a lot in that game too. So it wasn't like he. You know, you take him out of the equation and, oh my God, we don't know what we're doing. But I think, not to start off negative with a group that's obviously uber talented, that's the question mark for the defensive end position is, can those three guys or a couple of guys behind them, namely Amin Vanover or Zariah Fisher, can either of those guys become kind of that Tarburton type of role where short yard situations, goal line situations against a team like an Illinois, an Iowa, a Michigan net, is very much a run first offense. Can someone from that group and be great to be one of those top big three names, obviously, because that way you can leave those guys on the field in all situations and feel very comfortable. But is someone or a combination of guys from those five guys who are kind of the five we expect to get the majority of the snaps, um, if not all the snaps, can what can that group become? effective not dominant not elite but they become at least effective at stopping the run game from that edge position like i ideally those the names that we mentioned here are guys that can do it all right like i i that's the ideal situation they can do everything but like we talked about on the wide receiver preview a bit me and craig uh craig and i excuse me uh it's also really important to you know give guys defined roles like there are so many players on a football team and especially in the current landscape of college football where um you know you can hop in the transfer portal and go whenever you want like it's giving guys specific roles that they know like they know they have a purpose on the team is something that i think gets lost in the shuffle sometimes and even though yeah it'd be awesome if adisa isaac chop robinson and deny dead Sutton all could become you know truly top-notch run defenders and i hope they do but it's also a really nice way one to make sure that other guys on the depth chart have a role and have a place in the defense but it also gives you a really good opportunity to get rest for those top guys we have seen penn state be extremely dedicated to heavy rotation both along the really all over the defense, but especially along the defensive line in efforts to be able to have their top guns available in the moments that they need them to be available the most. So it's, you know, obviously we want everyone on the Penn State defense to be able to defend the run and the past uh, adeptly. But when you have certain guys that are better at certain things, it's not necessarily a bad way to go about juggling your roster and juggling playing time. So let's take this chance, Matt, to you know, transition fully into the 2023 season because of that aforementioned rotation. I think naming like who the presumed starters are along the defensive line is not really all that helpful here. I think it's more helpful to talk about it in terms of like, who are the main pieces going to be in the rotation at defensive end and defensive tackle. Now at defensive end, like we mentioned, we're looking at chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Deny Dennis Sutton, and then as you mentioned, Amin Vanover and Zariah Fisher also likely heavily working into that rotation as well. 
at defensive tackle, things are a, a bit murkier in terms of like, you know, where guys sit on the totem pole per se, but uh, we have Hakeem Beeman, we have Zane Durant, we have Devon Elias, Kaziah Izzard, Jordan Vandenberg, and then we could probably see guys like Deny Dennis Sutton shift inside in uh, pass rush packages, you know, a la uh, Yitor Gross Matos or some of the other guys that we've seen over the years at Penn State. There is a ton of talent among those names. There is no denying that. I think the big question for the staff right now, Matt, is figuring out how those puzzle pieces best go together. Yeah, I think tackle especially, like you said, there's there's a lot of names um, and a lot of guys who have played a good chunk of football for Penn State. Um, and they all, I think what's unique about it is you've got a bunch of guys who do different things. Um, I don't know if they necessarily have a true, you know, one tech, three tech, you know, delineation this year. I think they have some guys that probably there's going to be more crossover or less definition as far as who, who's what type of defensive tackle. Um, but I think one thing you'll see a lot this year, unless you have a guy or two, which would be fantastic, ideally separate themselves and show that they can kind of be that, that um, all situations type of guy. But I think especially early on, again, you're going to see a lot of situational type of personnel, you know, in the Illinois game, you're going to see guys who they feel more comfortable can hold up against that power rush game against the team. Um, you know, that's going to throw the ball around more. You're going to see a you know, different type of setup, but I think what's really exciting about that group is um, we've been, if you've followed the team over the summer and in the fall camp, now you've heard rumblings of there's almost a quiet confidence among the, the, the program and the staff about what they've got there. They're not really sure, like you said, Nick, who's going to be what and, you know, exactly what the rotation looks like. But a guy like Devon Elliott, who's played a lot of football, he's in his fifth year at Penn State now, believe it or not, which is just shocking to think about it like that. Um, he's a guy that, by all accounts, has really taken it upon himself. In, and I, I used this term when we did the uh, the offensive line podcast last week. Like a Caden Wallace, it's a contract year. This is it for him in college football. Um, he's used up his eligibility by the time this season ends. And if he's going to keep playing, he's got to make a statement this year. Um, and by all accounts, he's done that. Hakeem Beeman, a guy we've all read a lot about, talked a lot about. Flip has talked about him more than anyone, I think, on the beat in the media and among the fan base. Um, <laughs> as a guy who's got all the talent in the world, but never quite put it all together, was kind of became that situational pass rush defensive tackle. He's put on 25 or 30 pounds between last year and this year. Can he become that guy? Zandarant's a guy we heard a lot about last year kind of in that same mold as Beeman where he's undersized, but really kind of freakishly athletic. Um, almost like a Kevin Givens mold to use a, a recent Penn state example. Um, is he a guy in his second year that can kind of find his niche? Cause I Izzard was really playing well last year, got banged up, uh, missed spring practice coming along slowly this fall. Um, but if he can get healthy, he's another guy that, you know, really slots in. Uh, Jordan Vandenberg is a guy that um, is kind of the off season champion. He's, kind of the, the social media king of the weight room stuff for Penn State. Just you know, a, a freak in the weight room as far as the kind of weight he can throw up. But can he start to put combine that strength and athleticism with the technical side of the position? You know, the way I just kind of rolled through that with four or five guys right like that, that's, I think, the, the reason for optimism is there's a lot of guys who it sounds like are starting to put it all together. And when you combine it with a group at defensive end that's going to command so much attention, regardless of who among those three big names is on the field, 
um, between Isaac Robinson and Dennis Sutton, all of a sudden you're going to see double teams outside that put those guys one-on-one on the inside. Well, I'm not sure you necessarily saw that a whole lot last year. Um, Penn State didn't necessarily have, you know, Chop Robinson probably was the guy that drew the most attention, but that's not necessarily a luxury that anyone's going to have facing this defensive front this year where they can game plan around one spot. They're going to have two defensive ends, regardless of what combinations on the field that are dangerous. You can't double, if you're going to try and double both of them, that's going to create a lot of advantageous matchups for the guys on the inside. And I think that combined with the step that those guys inside have taken is probably the reason for optimism among the fan base and the coaching staff about what that group as a whole can really do. Yeah. Like anything, like anything in football, it is a team game after all. It's a symbiotic relationship, right? Like the better your defensive ends are, the less pressure there's going to be on your defensive tackles, the more they're going to be able to collapse the pocket and vice versa. The better your defensive tackles are, the more space they're going to allow, the more they're going to push quarterbacks back and allow your defensive ends to really be able to tee off and get wide to get around those tackles to get into the backfield. When we're thinking about those guys off the edges, Matt, we've talked we talked about them a lot already, but we talk about Chop, Adiza, and DDS. Last year, that group combined for 12 and a half sacks. Do you see that group going for 20 or more sacks this year? As you're answering that, there's a spider descending from my ceiling. I'm going to kill real quick while you answer. <laughs> well, it's a good thing I don't have the video of feed up right now because I'm looking at, at stats, but... Um... On the on paper, that seems attainable. Um, you know, that's six and a half ish sacks per guy. Um, I think the big question is 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 are they going to have the opportunities to? And you saw it a lot last year. As you rattled off those sack numbers off the top for the defense as a whole, you've got guys like Abdul Carter. You've got guys like Curtis Jacobs. Um, you know, whoever ends up kind of taking over those safety roles. Manny Diaz loves to bring pressure from all over. So I think that the question is, they're certainly talented enough to do it, but are the opportunities going to be there just by the nature of how Penn State calls their defense and the opportunities that other guys get? Even if you know it's Dennis Sutton makes the play off the edge, but it frees up Johnny Dixon out of the slot on a blitz to, to ultimately get, get to the quarterback and, and get the actual credit for the sack. Um, I'll say yes. But with the caveat that I wouldn't be totally shocked if they, you know, end up at 17 or something like that, um, even though, you know, the numbers aren't there, it's it's still a hugely productive year. Real quick, because you mentioned him, Johnny Dixon sacks are some of the most aesthetically pleasing that the Penn State defense has. I don't know why, but they get that dude running free so often, and he hits hard. The other guy too, uh, Daqu- Daquan Hardy. When yes. they bring him off the edge, um, his speed is so elite that uh, my, my one of my buddies and I running joke every game because twenty five. I would wager at least twenty five to thirty five percent of the time. I think it's Jacobs getting the sack just because at a, at a quick glance. But that, that's how adept he's shown he can be at, at getting to the quarterback. That's just because you're not a Daquan Hardy truther like I have been to my core since the day he signed. Um, I, the other question I want to ask you, Matt, before we move on, we were you and I were bouncing back and forth ideas about who like the last great, truly great Penn State defensive end duo was. And the one that, came, like most recently too, the one that we thought of was Arnold Ebicady and Adafi Owe. It's it's kind of a weird question to say, will this 
trio be better than them? Because, you know, like, how do you define better um, in terms of, you know, in terms of this question? But do you think that this Chapadisa and Deny Dennis Sutton group has a chance to be, let's say, more impactful than that duo of really, really good football players, a second round pick and a first round pick in between Evicadia and Owe. And even though Owe wasn't very prolific in terms of sacks that season, I think he only only had one, I think, his last season on campus, something like that, but um, obviously was a monster otherwise. I think as a group, they will be more productive. Um, I think Chop certainly already being talked about as a first round pick. I don't know, and Nick, you know more about this than me from following the NFL the way you do. I don't know where Isaac is projected, but certainly denied Dennis Sutton is a guy that appears to check all the boxes of what an NFL organization would look for at that edge spot. Um, so I think they'll be more productive. When we were talking about this before we started recording, it kind of got my mind running. So I've, I've gone back to 2016, which is kind of 14 and 15 are just weird years, and I don't want to count them because I don't want to relive them. But Penn State's it had some happen. pretty good pretty good defensive ends. Um, you know, Garrett Sickles in 16, Evan Schwan in 16. Um, they had Ryan Buckholtz that year off the edge. Um, Sharif Miller, Curtis Catherine, Shaka Tony. Um, sorry, as my, my browser continues to load slowly. Etor Grossmatos, which somehow both of us neglected to remember as we were naming names before the podcast. Um, Sharif Miller, I believe I mentioned previously. Um, you know, obviously, Micah Parsons, kind of that jack of all trades, Jason Owe, Ebikete. They've had some pretty good defensive ends, um, even if it hasn't been, you know, some of those guys aren't necessarily the most memorable. Um, but they've had some guys who've had really productive years. All those guys had five, six sacks um, at their height. Um, and, and most I think, of them went know, to in, the NFL. in the moment. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of them are still there. Yeah. Um, as I'm up to 21 now, and that's when we get Ebikete. Um, we, we'd be. Uh, neglectful to not mention Smith Filbert, who we learned last week is um, done for the year with an injury, really tough break for him after missing all of last year. Um, but I think not to be overly positive about it, to say it like that, the fact that it took us this long to mention an injury to a guy that has proven he can play at that really impressive, at least getting to the quarterback outback bowl a couple of years ago. The fact that losing a guy that has that amount of talent, doesn't really dampen our outlook for the defensive end position as a whole. I think it's very telling of, of just how good and deep that room is. Yeah. You know, something Matt that I am really excited to be overly positive about that's home field apparel, the sponsor of today's podcast sponsor of roar lines roar for um, over a year. Now Matt's rocking one of those shirts. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, they have been great friends to the podcast and they can be a great friend to you as well. If you have not visited home field apparel before, they are just loaded, you know, per, loaded to the pervert. I don't even know what phrase I'm trying to, what idiom I'm trying to pull out right now. They have a lot of cool stuff. They have a lot of really great shirts, joggers, sweatshirts, um, really anything you could possibly want. Not just Penn State related, but really basically any school in the country. Over 150 schools they have apparel for. Um, you should definitely head over to homefieldapparel.com and check it out because we can give you 15% off of your first order. 
If you use that code RLR23 at checkout, you can get 15% off of whatever is in your shopping cart at the time. It's an excellent deal. Get your Christmas shopping, your holiday shopping done early. Maybe someone's got a birthday coming up. Take advantage of this offer because there are not many other apparel companies out there, if any, that do what Homefield does. They will dig deep into your school's history to find designs that really resonate with you as an alum or just a longtime fan. They don't just, you know, they're not sitting there just firing off, you know, the same shirt with the same four logos just rotating on different colors for every school. Everything is very, very unique in their collection. Very much worth the time checking it out. Make sure you head over to homefieldapparel.com and do that. They've supported us. You should help help out the cause and support them. Use that code RLR23 for 15% off of your very first order. Matt. You mentioned a lot of the guys that we want to talk about when we talk about maybe the the not notable names along the defensive line. And as you mentioned, uh, Smith Vobert, yeah, huge. I mean, well, like you said, not a huge blow to you lose him. Huge blow, though, for his you know career. Really, really tough injury luck the last uh, couple of years with him. So that's that's a bummer. It's interesting that similar to a lot of positions Penn State has right now, again, this is Arguably the most talented roster top to bottom James Franklin has had at Penn State. So this is going to continue to be the case. But despite the fact that Penn State already has basically three guys for two spots, when we talk about bona fide starters with Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, and Denai Dennis Sutton, they also have Amin Vanover and Zariah Fisher, who we have talked about. But what we haven't mentioned yet, really, and haven't you know, made clear enough, those guys are starters at... Seventy-five uh, percent of the other programs in college football. I don't I mean, and it's not such that a high, weird but... term anymore. Yeah, um, just because you, especially on on both lines, you see so much rotation anymore. Um, but there are guys that are gonna that would play a lot of snaps, a lot more snaps than they'll play at Penn State this year, in all likelihood. Yeah, um, they'd get a lot more opportunity exposure at a lot of other programs, um, and I mentioned on it earlier the fact that they are four or five on the depth chart in some order is so telling of just how good those three guys in front of them are. Um, and I, we kind of alluded to it earlier before we, we gave home field uh, our, our endorsement that it'll be interesting to see what kind of role those guys get carved out. We've seen it with every defensive line coach that's been here with James Franklin, starting with um, Sean Spencer than the John Scott and now with Deion Barnes, which somehow we've gotten this far into the podcast about the defensive line. I've not mentioned that there is a new defensive line coach, a name that everyone knows very well. Speaking of productive defensive ends at Penn State and Deion Barnes, guy who's been around the program a lot the last few years as a a grad assistant, um, took over the role with John Scott going to uh, my hometown, Detroit Lions. Um, I'm fascinated to see what kind of rotation gets carved out for guys like that because obviously they're good enough to play they're going to play you can't play those three guys in front of them 100 percent of the snaps it's just not not feasible the guys are going to get burned out halfway through the year you risk injury guys are going to get banged up they're going to miss a series here or there maybe they miss a game here or there it's just the way the game's played um i'm fascinated to see how those guys get used and then i contrast it with defensive tackle like we were saying earlier where you don't have the two guys or the three guys you have the five or six guys and they're all kind of in that same pot and 
whether it be situational or just whoever's going that week, you know, we're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids and young men. They're not going to be on their A game every week. We don't see it with the elite pros in any sport. Um, that contrast between the two spots on the line, how it gets, how it shakes out with these stars on the, on the edge and these, this clump, if you will, of talented guys in the middle who are going to separate themselves somehow, both on the whole throughout the season, but even week to week, that's kind of um, for a group that's really talented. And I think we expect big things from not really knowing how this all comes together is kind of an intriguing thing to watch, especially over that first month of the year where I think we expect Penn state, you know, the Illinois game is kind of interesting, but that first month of the year, the schedule is very light before they host Iowa at the end of the, or um, in the whiteout in late September, they've got this opportunity to kind of get their feet under them and kind of figure out what they've got facing a few different types of offenses too, along the way. Um, That's kind of an interesting early storyline. And I think for it, an early season that shouldn't be all that interesting from a competitiveness standpoint in an ideal setup, ideal world, ideal, ideal performance. <laughs> yeah. You talk now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, you're right. It's, um, it, it's weird because, yeah, like it's on, on the one hand, it's a really good chance to get a lot of different guys in and give them a chance to show what they can do. But at the same time, like what the I mean, West Virginia is a, a solid team, but um, like how much do you really take away from the guy like Zane Duran, Hakeem Beeman ripping through an offensive line that is smaller than they are as relatively undersized defensive tackles? Like there's only so much you can take away. But on that note, to me, that is actually the thing I'm most interested in this year. Penn State over the years has done really well with developing these kind of defensive tackle duos, having the guy like the more of the space eater type. Like you think about if you want to go all the way back to uh, Devin Still and Jordan Hill, you want to go back to um, Curtis Cothran and Parker Cothran, the Cothrine twins. Um if you want to think about, uh, goodness, who played with Kevin Gibbons? Was it still PJ? Oh, God. now I gotta, I gotta go back. I had this all set up when I was going naming defensive ends from our, our storied past. Regardless, um, Penn State has done very well with creating these types of duos. And Robert Windsor was around back Robert then. Robert Windsor, think, right? yeah, Windsor and Gibbons, yeah. Um, they've they've excelled at developing undersized defensive tackles. Um, even so much to the point like Kevin Givens, Kevin Givens right now is one of the better defensive linemen on arguably the best defense in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. Like he has carved out a really significant role for himself among that defense. I know this because he terrorizes the Seahawks twice a year now, sometimes three like last year. <clears throat> so I think there's been the expectation that either Zane Durant or Hakeem Beeman or both of them could be kind of the next Kevin Givens type. And I think a lot of us were expecting Hakeem Beeman to kind of become that last year. I know Matt, uh, Matt Flip absolutely was. It didn't quite happen. Do we think that, do we think that Penn State is able to get one of those guys to fill that role this year? 
Um, yeah, I, I think so. They've got, again, they've got this pot of guys to choose from. They've got three guys that are kind of that type of player. Uh, maybe two. Maybe I'd probably be unfair to some of the other guys as describing them as undersized, but certainly Beeman and Durant. Um, Durant, you know, even from guys that, that do are way smarter about this than you and I, when he came in, there was a lot of Kevin Givens comparisons. Yeah. And I think um, he flashed a little bit last year, and I think he was probably done a little bit of a disservice by all the hype and all the talk you had heard about him um, once he got on campus and, you know, the the excitement that surrounded him. It's probably a little unfair for a true freshman defensive tackle that, you know, is, is undersized. Um, I, I think I just go back to this group of guys they've got that are so different in what they bring to the table. You've got, you know, a guy like Kaziah Izzard, for example, who's not flashy. It's kind of in that PJ Mustafa mold to, to make this overly simplistic. Um, you've got a guy like Hakeem Beeman, who's that Kevin Givens type or Zane Durant. You've got Devon Ellis, who probably top to bottom might be their most complete guy as far as size and strength and athleticism. And we saw that flash last year. And like I said earlier, there's a lot of buzz that he can maybe be that guy this year. Um, you've got a guy like Vandenberg who, um, has so much of that, that raw potential and raw athleticism trying to harness all of it, um, it's it's just a fascinating group that does so many things differently. With the million dollar question is, can they do it on the biggest stage against those teams that are going to run right at them? Like I said earlier, the Michigan game. That's kind of the game that everyone has circled to see what this group really is. Um, even though they're going to face a challenge like that against Illinois, not as gifted, you know, as Michigan is at that. But that they 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 want to line up and run right at you. They did it very effectively two years ago with 15 overtimes um, against Penn state. Um, you, you know, you know what they're going to do. They're going to run it right at you. Can Penn state hold up? Can that group hold up? I think, like I said, there's some optimism that they can, but we got to see it. Um, and not to preview a, a, not to preview another preview, but if that group can hold its own, then that group of linebackers, behind them that, you know, might be the best group in the country at that position, top to bottom, certainly with their, their top two guys at that spot, that frees up those guys to be bigger disruptors. It frees up the safeties, um, the way Manny Diaz likes to a- activate those guys in blitzes and run in the run game and so forth. That group being effective, if not flashy, but effective is going to be such a catalyst to this defense taking what's already really, really good to that other level and competing with the Michigans and Ohio States, the two teams that everyone has circled, you know, to see, okay, where does Penn state stand with the, the best of the best in the country at this time? And we will talk plenty more about the impact that the Penn state defensive line will have on the rest of this defense, because as Matt said, it is a, you know, it, it cannot be overstated, cannot be, um, quantified really if this defensive line is able to take steps forward and become a truly you know game-breaking unit there is absolutely no cap on how good this defense as a unit can be with the talent that they have at the linebacker core in the secondary with the cornerbacks and the safeties and we will talk about all of those position groups in the coming days but matt do you have any final thoughts on the defensive line before we get out of here no, I think I summed it up pretty well by whatever I said before I made you talk. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 a, a fascinating group with the stars on the edge and 
a talented kind of unknown group in the middle. And then the, the depth that it, it's just, it's a really unique combination. Um, and at that end group, it's just, it's so, so good. And, you know, we were, we rattled off, you know, some names from the recent past that I think in the moment were, were very good. And even looking back, were very effective. This group has the potential to be, I think, a couple steps better than the best of those groups if they they put it all together the way we think they can. Yeah, absolutely. Could be one of the more prolific defensive lines James Franklin has had at Penn State. That's saying a lot, but the talent is absolutely there to do it. Um, thank you all for joining us for our defensive line preview tonight. If you are not subscribed to the podcast already, please make sure you do so. Leave us a review, preferably five stars. If you are able on your platform of choice, check us out on YouTube as well. Subscribe, hit the alert bell, all that good stuff. Make sure you visit homefieldapparel.com. Use the code RLR23 at checkout for 15% off of your very first order. And make sure you come back and join us the rest of the week for all of the rest of our defensive previews. And then, you know, it's going to be about time to start talking about the West Virginia game, which is crazy, but we do have a couple other previous stuff that will precede that as well. So be sure to be on the lookout, but that's going to do it for us tonight for talking about the defensive line for myself, Nick Pollock, for my co-host, Matt DeBear. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Go state.